1: Severe water intoxication occurs when a person drinks an excessive amount of water over a short period. It can lead to seizures, brain swelling and possibly death. Now this condition is quite rare. Your body does react to try and save itself. You will generally just start throwing up the water. But unfortunately, in Zachary's case, he was forced to drink more of it and his little body could not sustain the continuous abuse his father and stepmother, forcing him to drink four 24-ounce bottles of water over several hours, causing this sweet little guy to essentially drown from the inside. This is Zachary's story.
0: The details are hard
1: to hear. The El Paso County coroner now releasing the cause of death for a fifth grader from Explorer
0: Elementary School. The report obtained by Cardio says Zachary Sabin's bruised body was found in bed hours after he was forced to drink large amounts of water. The coroner ruling the boy died from water intoxication.
1: His father and stepmother now in custody. News Channel 13's Crystal stories live outside the Criminal Justice Center with the latest. Crystal.
0: Bart, both of the parents turned themselves into this jail last night. We're told that when they found out about the arrest warrants, they arranged coming here on their own. El Paso County detectives believe Zachary Sabin. An 11-year-old from Explore Elementary died at the hands of his parents. He died of water intoxication, and an arresting report shows both his father, Ryan Sabin, an active-duty Fort Carson soldier, and his stepmother, Tara Sabin, were forcing him to drink bottles of water before bed, but he kept throwing up. His siblings told police Zach got in trouble a lot. On the night he died, the report says he didn't eat dinner and was leaning over and looked weak. A police interview with Ryan Sabin says he kicked his son and at one point he fell backward and hit the back of his head on the ground. The next morning, Zach was found foaming at the mouth and pronounced dead. It wasn't until three months later, detectives were able to arrest the Sabins. What we have to do is make sure that we are very thorough with getting reports and documenting everything, you know, it's, it's our job to chronicle what has happened. They're both facing first-degree murder and child abuse charges.
1: Zachary Joshua Sabin was born September 2, 2008, in Wichita Falls, Texas, to parents Angela and Ryan Sabin. Ryan had a long career in the Army. He was a U.S. Army sergeant first class at the time, so the family moved around a lot before finally settling in Colorado Springs, Colorado. By this stage, the family also welcomed a second child, another little boy they named Mathis. Unfortunately, Angela and Ryan would divorce while the boys were only toddlers, and in 2011, they officially divorced. Both Ryan and Angela would eventually remarry, Angela would marry Matthew Tolkien and Ryan would marry Tara Saban. Between the two families, they added a whopping nine step-siblings and half-step-siblings for Zachary and Mathis, which Zachary loved. He loved helping out with the younger children, singing them songs and playing games. Ryan and Angela seemed to have an amicable co-parenting relationship. Zachary and Mathis rotated weeks between their parents' households, and this arrangement seemed to be working well. In March 2020, when our story takes place, Zachary was in the fifth grade at Explorer Elementary School in Colorado Springs, where he was well-liked and was doing really well. He was in the school choir. Zachary loved, loved animals, and he wanted to become a veterinarian or zoologist when he grew up. Said his mother, Angela, quote, He hasn't changed his mind on that since he was very little. That kid was very adamant. He knew what he was going to do. Unquote. Those who knew and loved Zachary would describe the 11 year old as being sweet and kind, with a very gentle soul. He loved being out in nature and was fascinated with studying insects, especially ladybugs. He could also be goofy and he was always smiling and cracking jokes. It would also be common practice to see Zachary with a book in his hand. He loved reading and could easily finish a chapter book in a day, Harry Potter being his favourite. He loved video games and wrestling with his brothers, but he could also sit and do crafts with his little sister or play dolls with her. And being a typical 11-year-old boy, his favourite food being chicken nuggets. It is not known much about what life was like with Zachary and his brother while they were with their mum. But hearing Angela and Matthew talk about Zachary after his passing, they speak with so much love and yearning heartache. I'm very confident that this household was nurturing and supportive. Zachary seemed truly his happiest when he was with his mother.
0: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.
1: Unfortunately, we do know what Zachary's life was like when he was with his father. Ryan, Tara, their children and the boys when they were there. They lived in this beautiful five-bedroom huge home that was all surrounded by woods. It was a nice neighbourhood that was seen as upper class. Ryan and Tara were obviously doing well for themselves. Ryan was now working as a public affairs sergeant at nearby Fort Carson. While Terra was the chief financial officer for a non-profit agency called Tessa. And Tessa provides services to people who identify as experiencing domestic violence. And the fact that she worked there and worked with victims of domestic violence, it would be laughable if this whole situation wasn't so devastatingly and heartbreakingly sad.
0: The medical examiner gave a bombshell statement in court today saying she's quote certain the cause of death is forced water intoxication and the manner of death is homicide. She made that determination based on swelling in Zachary's brain and water in his breathing tubes. His parents told detectives they only gave him a gallon of water, which the examiner said wouldn't necessarily kill him. She says Tara and Ryan should have sought medical attention when the 11 year old started showing symptoms such as a headache, vomiting and the inability to talk or sleep. But Tara told detectives she thought Zachary was just being overdramatic about having to drink his daily gallon of water, something she says they were instructed by his doctor to give him to help with his bedwetting problem.
1: March 10th, 2020. According to an El Paso County Sheriff's Office affidavit, the day was fairly normal for the Saban family. Ryan and Tara went to work, and the five children aged between two and 15 went to the nursery or school. It wouldn't be until Tara picked up the children after work did everything go wrong. On the way home, Tara and the children stopped at her mother's house for a short visit. While they were there, Zachary was asked if he had drunk his water at school, to which he replied that he hadn't. Now, this was apparently a massive deal. Although I haven't seen any medical practitioner or medical expert come forward to validate any of Ryan or Tara's claims. You see, Ryan and Tara would later claim that Zachary had been diagnosed with a hereditary urological problem that caused him to frequently wet the bed. And because they didn't want him to do that, they would make Zachary wear diapers to bed. Anyway, where this is relevant, that morning, Tara was disposing of Zachary's diaper or cleaning Zachary's diaper when she noticed his urine was, quote, really dark and really smelly, unquote and this was a reason why she was questioning him if he'd finished his water at school. But Zachary didn't want to drink that water. He blamed drinking this much water on wetting the bed and having to wear a diaper at 11 years old. And I can completely understand this. At his age, there would be sleepovers and school camps, but this made Tara furious. Zachary knew he had to drink both 32-ounce bottles every day, around two litres for my Australian listeners. There was no option but to punish him when they got home. 5pm, the family arrived home, and Tara called Ryan, who was still at work, to fill him in on the afternoon's revelation. Initially, the decision was made that Zachary had to drink both the 32-ounce bottles before he would be allowed to eat dinner, but that is a lot to drink all at once, And I want to say being his age, at my age, if I was told to drink two litres before eating dinner when it was already dinner time, I would tell them to royally fuck the hell off. So this would go back and forth. Tara was demanding him to drink the water and Zachary was refusing. This would go on for some time until Ryan came home from work at six o'clock. This was when things truly escalated. Ryan would find Zachary at the kitchen sink, taking small sips from his 32-ounce drink bottle. He would beg his dad to let him stop, that he didn't want to drink anymore, that he felt sick. Each of the children of the home were later interviewed by police, and they all had similar but different versions of what happened that night, if that makes sense. One child said it was too much water Zachary was made to drink. Another said it was impossible what Zachary was expected to do in that short period of time. Zachary was struggling so much at the amount of water he was being forced to drink that he was throwing up in the kitchen sink. During their police interview, one of the children estimated that Zachary threw up a total of 10 times throughout the course of the evening. But according to Ryan, the reason Zachary was throwing up was because, quote, he was drinking the water too slowly and getting air in his stomach, which caused the water to sit on top of it. Unquote. So here is Zachary, being forced to drink the water even though he's vomiting it back up and crying hysterically. Tara and Ryan told the other children to ignore this and sit down and eat their dinner, that they weren't allowed in the kitchen because I guess there was that concern that the children would help their brother because there would have been that sense of loyalty there from the other children. We know that Zachary was very protective and loving to them. It must have been extremely distressing for these children to hear their brother being literally tortured like this. Ryan would go into the kitchen at some point during dinner and tell Zachary to chug the water, just to get on with it so he could eat dinner with his family, to scull the water and just, quote, burp it out, unquote. They even made Zachary wash the family's dishes while he was in this state. After dinner, Ryan went out into the garage to work on repairs for Tara's car, whilst she got the children ready for bed. Now, it's not clear what time the children went to bed, but as one of the children admitted during their police interview, it was not unusual for the children to stay up way past their bedtimes until their chores were completed but it is alleged the children went to bed around 9pm. During this time, Zachary was forced to finish his water bottle and fill it up repeatedly. He would complain his feet and shins were hurting, but Tara told police that she assumed Zachary was being his usual dramatic self. She thought he was being dramatic the same way he complained about doing his physical therapy exercises. This breaks my cold heart, that he's here crying and begging his parents to let him stop and go to bed like his siblings. Oh my god, this case reminds me so much of Thomas Valver. Not long after this, the affidavit states it was soon after the other children went to bed, Zachary would fall to the floor and have some sort of seizure. Ryan would describe Zachary as, quote, "...flailing around and putting on an act." unquote. But instead of doing what any parent would do, Ryan and Tara never considered calling emergency services for help. Instead, in response to Zachary's seizure, Ryan admitted to police that he kicked his son at least twice, demanding he get up. This next bit, though. Ryan would then pick Zachary up, who was obviously in no condition to support his own weight, and he immediately fell back to the floor, hitting his head hard. Ryan would then pick up his eldest son again and take him outside on the deck for several minutes, hoping the cold air would, quote, snap him out of it, unquote. Ryan would then carry Zachary back inside, where he would just lay on the floor, not moving. Ryan would tell police he would grab Zachary's face and scream how mad he was and how he would pack up all of his belongings and he could go live in a homeless shelter because of how he was acting. But then Zachary starts snoring. Tara claimed she tried to wake him up, but then Ryan told police Zachary would sit up, cross his legs and slump forward, resuming snoring. 11.15. Ryan and Tara allegedly decided this was the time to end the evening and go to bed themselves. Ryan told his son it was time for bed, to which Zachary started walking around the kitchen grunting and making no sense at all of what he was saying. Before he walked into the mud room, he placed his hands on the wall and he just stared at the wall. Ryan then claimed he guided his son to his bedroom, helped him put on his diaper and his pyjamas and then into bed. Given what's already happened and what's to come, I really question all of this. But Ryan claimed Zachary suddenly opened his eyes wide, like something had startled him before closing his eyes again and started snoring. Ryan allegedly stroked his son's hair to calm him and told Zachary he loved him. Zachary then allegedly went to sleep. This would be the last time Zachary would be seen alive. Ryan and Tara would then go to bed themselves as if nothing had happened. The next morning, March 12th, 2020... At approximately 6.15, Ryan allegedly went into Zachary's room to wake him for school. Zachary was covered in blood with foam coming out of his nose and mouth. He was covered in bruises and wearing a urine-soaked diaper. It was clear he was dead. For some reason, Ryan would go inform Tara of what he had found before calling 911 to report how he had found his son. An autopsy was performed by the El Paso County Coroner's Office. The report noted that the coroner found blood on Zachary's left eyebrow and forehead, a red contusion to his left eye, and bruises to his head, shin, arms and buttocks. The cause of death was determined to be due to severe water intoxication. He also suffered from blunt force trauma to his head, the autopsy report stating that prior to going to sleep on the night of his death, Zachary would have had to have consumed approximately four 24-ounce bottles of water over a four-hour period without any food. And where this is important is drinking large amounts of water on an empty stomach causes the body to absorb the water even faster. And severe water intoxication, or water poisoning as it's also called... But this occurs when a person drinks an excessive amount of water over a short period. According to Suffer the Little Children podcast blog, which was a valuable source of research for this episode, I cannot recommend more highly. If you like this podcast, definitely listen to Suffer the Little Children podcast. But according to her blog post on this case... Symptoms of severe water intoxication include disorientation, confusion, headaches, vomiting, drowsiness, muscle cramps, increased blood pressure, vision changes, difficulty breathing, and changes in mental state. What happens is your body is being flooded from the inside, in regulating and diluting electrolytes, especially sodium, into your bloodstream. Your brain swells, causing increased pressure to your skull you may have seizures which in turn may cause brain damage, a coma or death. Now, this condition is quite rare, because as we know in Zachary's case, your body does react to try and save itself. You will generally start throwing up the water. But unfortunately, in Zachary's case, he was just forced to drink more of it, and his poor little body could not sustain the continuous abuse.
0: He had such a great personality filled with humor, always trying to make people smile and laugh.
1: Zach's mom, Angela Tukin, calls him her cuddle buck, a kid who loved animals and wanted to be a zoologist or veterinarian. Chicken nuggets were his favorite. He played video games, but he really
0: loved to read. Zach would stay up late at night with a flashlight reading underneath his blanket. An arrest affidavit and autopsy report released this week are a tragedy for the family. They are trusting in the justice system for now. Don't let his story fill you with anger or hatred. Instead, take a moment and hug your kids. Keep them close to you. And most importantly, if you are a struggling parent, don't be afraid to ask for help. They say their own pain and loss is tempered by the
1: life led by an 11-year-old.
0: It is the love that Zachary taught us during his brief time here. Attributes of love now part of Unimagined Loss. I will never be able to cuddle my Zaccaroni ever again. I will miss my Zac attack, sweet nature. I will never be able to hear his contagious laugh. This is by far the hardest thing I've ever had to endure in my life.
1: Now the autopsy report results took some time to be returned. Three months. So three months went by with Ryan and Tara thinking they got away with literal murder. But due to the autopsy results, Zachary's death was ruled a homicide, that there was no way Zachary would have willingly chose to drink that amount of water on his own. And DHS and the police were contacted. On the morning of June 16, 2020, arrest warrants would be issued for Ryan and Tara. The couple were facing charges of first-degree murder, child abuse resulting in death and six counts of misdemeanor child abuse. This related to not only Zachary, but also the five other children who lived in the home. Now in Colorado, where the Sabins lived, anyone who, quote, "...causes the death of a child who has not yet attained 12 years of age, and the person is in a position of trust with respect to the victim," unquote, they are automatically charged with first-degree murder, which is why this charge applied to Ryan and Terra. Ryan and Tara would turn themselves in that very evening and were held without bail at the El Paso County Jail. The other children obviously were removed from the home in the care of the Sabins by DHS, and they were interviewed by police. When asked why it took police four months to make an arrest, spokesperson for the El Paso County Sheriff's Office, Jacqueline Kirby, said, quote, It sometimes takes us months to finish an investigation to determine if criminal charges are needed to be filed. By the time 2020 ended, Ryan and Tara would be permitted to post bail and be released to live their best lives. August 2022, Tara Sabin would ultimately take a plea deal, and because of this, her murder charges would be dropped. The plea deal would have Tara pleading guilty to criminal negligent homicide, which is a class 5 felony. She would be sentenced to only four years on probation for her role in Zachary's death. This infuriates me, when she was obviously an active part in the events leading up to Zachary dying. If Tara violates the conditions of the plea deal, she could face sentences between one to three years in prison, and a subsequent mandatory two-year parole period. In her victim impact statement, Angela would heartbreakingly state, quote, I will never be able to cuddle my Zaccaroni ever again. I will miss my Zac sweet nature. I will never be able to hear his contagious laugh. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to endure in my life. No parent should ever have to bury their child, Unquote. At the time of this recording, Ryan Sabin is still awaiting trial. We will keep you updated when he finally has to face what he did to his eldest child, a sweet little boy who should have been destined to make this world a better place. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss an episode and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, stolen lives podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice. And subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu.